0: Thanks to our sponsor, Raygun. Raygun provides full-stack error, crash, and performance monitoring for tech teams. Whether you're a software engineer looking to diagnose and resolve issues with greater speed and accuracy, a product manager drowning in bug reports, or you're just concerned you're losing customers to poor quality online experiences, Raygun can provide you with the answers. Get full-stack error and performance monitoring in one place. The next time you're struggling to replicate errors and performance issues in your code base, think Raygun. Head over to raygun.com and get up and running within minutes and dramatically improve the online experiences of your users. This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 344. Today, we're gonna talk about breaches and browsers recorded live January 23rd, 2020. This episode is brought to you by Nintex, If you could score an extra hour or two back in your day, would you take it? Because our friends over at Nintex want to give you a gift. The gift of time. Seriously. If you haven't checked out what Nintex has to offer lately, you definitely should. The platform built on Azure has evolved a lot. In just the past few months, the Nintex team has added new process mapping capabilities and most recently, a new eSign capability called Nintex Sign, powered by Adobe Sign. Nintex also continues to revolutionize products you know and trust, including Nintex workflow and forms. With the power of Nintex, it is faster and easier for you to configure, not code, giving you valuable time back every day to sprint it however you want. Test drive the Nintex process cloud at nintex.com. Back to the show. AC, hey, how are you doing? Hey, CJ. I'm doing good. And yourself? Very well, thank you. Very well. What's going on in your neck of the woods these days? I pissed off a lot of SharePoint
1: developers yesterday. <laughs> so, Like a substantial so, number. So
0: it's Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> My
1: role on the SharePoint Patterns and Practices core team is I help with the documentation, but then I also do a lot of stuff around the um, their primary issue list, the SP DevDocs uh, repo issue list. And we have been talking for a couple of weeks now about some changes we're going to make to the issue list. It was a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Kind of formalizing our, I'm putting it in air quotes, but formalizing our policies know, how do we, what belongs on the issue list? What doesn't belong in the issue list? How do we treat a closed issue? How do we treat a locked issue? Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Some of that too was to go back and to clean up a lot of the garbage that was there previously. So like, for example, we had roughly 250 issues out of about 760. So, you know, a little less than half, maybe about 35%, where it fell into this no activity in a very long time. Nothing was happening with it, yet nothing was flagged as a bug and being tracked by Microsoft. Yep, The conversation just died. And so we decided that people that would every once in a while go, hey, what's the update on this? I'm like, nobody's watching it. And so we decided that we would close and lock roughly 250, 260 issues and then also make a bunch of other policy changes. And what's bad about it is that I was the one that implemented the changes, so everything looks like I went through and had this sweeping effect on... You're the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. But it was stuff that was you know, all discussed and agreed with by Microsoft. They just effectively tasked me to do it. And um, These are not the issues you're looking for. And now they are. So, yeah, I got like... I went to bed last night and I checked my... Uh, I have a folder that takes all email notifications from GitHub for that issue list to go in a certain folder. And uh, I think yesterday afternoon when I... When I was done in the office, I think that folder had something like 75 new emails in it. So I deleted all those and I woke up this morning and then there was 131 in there. And so I deleted all those and then there was another 70 that showed up. And it was, it's just the notifications of like, oh, you did this and it, you added a label So now I'm subscribed to the issue and then it added a comment and then it closed it and
0: then it locked it. So, yeah, I can understand why people are pissed off about that. Yeah. Just because Microsoft doesn't want to deal with the issues doesn't mean they're not issues.
1: We just did a, a community call a second ago and some people took it like that. But I mean, it really is, I guess in one sense, it's. Microsoft declared bankruptcy on a lot of issues that they had didn't have their hands around. And they basically were saying, Look, we've made a lot of improvements, a lot of changes to the platform and to the tools and all that stuff we've released. There's a pretty good chance that none of this stuff is even an issue anymore. So I tell you what, instead of going through 250 issues and trying to triage and figure out, is this still a bug? Reopen. Let's just put it back on the people. Yeah. yeah. Re- and so we have a whole like remediation process. But right. that's one. But then the other thing that I do, a little personal thing that I do want to call out is that, and I'll put a link to this in the show notes, but, um, so, I mean, we've talked about it in the past. I'd like to run half marathons this time of year. I have one more that I'm running this year, and it's an important one. It's for a charity called the Donna Foundation, and it's all about the fight to end breast cancer. Mm. I know it's affected a lot of people. Me personally, it's affected a lot of people around me. And this past year, I have a cousin who uh, was diagnosed in early 2019, is still dealing with some stuff, dealing with it. She's cancer-free right now. She stayed with us a good bit. She's from Louisiana. We have a Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville. She stayed with us while she was going through a lot of her treatment and surgeries. And I got to see it up close. And it just, Mm. it blows my mind like how much it affects families and the people that are affected by it. Anyway, the foundation is all about care and prevention and also taking care of families and this care line. I saw them in action and uh, I've done this race before, but I'm raising money for them. And if any of the listeners want to have some fun and really mess with me, I've already reached my first goal of five hundred dollars. If we hit a thousand dollars, the first goal of five hundred dollars is that I will run the race in a pink tutu. The stretch goal that I have is to get it to raise a thousand dollars. If I do that, I will also put on a pink bra and will wear that while I'm running. And there will be pictures, and I will be very, very. I will make sure that I share those. And if we, if we go way past a thousand bucks, then you have
0: to get super creative.
1: <laughs> I'll get creative just I have a target for the race so I can't do stuff that's gonna I don't want to do stuff that's gonna really slow me down or you know I don't know but that kind of stuff but I'm getting like not ruin your race but yeah no yeah but I got like I use uh compression sleeves for my calves I'll have pink ones I'll wear for that one I've got I'll wear a pink uh
0: I'll wear a pink tutu I'll wear a pink bra and give me ideas peeps so what a great cause everybody's got somebody or somebody they know or within their close circle of friends or something that's been affected by this right it's pr- it's it's a very common common occurrence and it'd be wonderful wonderful to figure this figure this out and and rid the world of of a uh, a devastating disease there's a link in the show notes it points to my blog post the blog
1: post has two links to the campaign um, I have a campaign with the foundation and then I have the campaign link as a Facebook campaign as well. So it doesn't matter where you donate. Either one of them is going to go into the exact same bucket. I can't remember what the exact number is, but it's like over 90% of the money that they raise goes towards the mission for the foundation. It's not like yeah. a charity where 80% of it goes to buying jets for
0: spreading yeah. the word. Yeah, gotcha. Nice. Well, that's a very valiant is valiant the right word? Uh, no, not yet. Valiant effort after you've done it. There you go, yeah. But a very, a great cause. And so... uh yeah, hope it all goes really
1: well. Thank you. So, race is on February eighth or ninth. So it's ah uh, when this episode comes out, you got about a week and a half to to donate. So I I would really appreciate it. I'll share all the pictures and stuff on Twitter
0: and give an update. But awesome. What about you? What's up with you? I'm flying to Australia on Saturday for the week for some work, bits and pieces. So um, I will be out of town and jet lagged like a mofo. <laughs> 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 yeah. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be painful. Uh, mm. it's about a 15 hour flight from LA or San Francisco. so um, and I'm only there for a few days, four days. Mm. yeah, I'm not doing very well with jet lag these days, so it's gonna be curious to see how I go. Plus, I've stopped drinking coffee. I've stopped drinking caffeine for about the last really? yeah, I guess about the last three months, early November, I think.
1: Yeah, oh, I knew you'd stop. I didn't, I didn't know you had like gone, but you had completely stopped.
0: Yeah, I drink decaf coffee, which has some coffee and it has some caffeine in it, <laughs> but very, you know, like ten percent of what a regular cup of coffee has. Mm. But uh, that's just because I love coffee, the taste of it and the ritual of it and things. But uh, yeah, I'm off the caffeine, and so this will be my first trip without caffeine in years. So it's going to be really painful to figure out how to stay awake. We'll see. So four days. So that's,
1: I mean, to me, that's kind of that borderline of do you just muscle through it and try and just be tired for four days so you don't come home and it spends like a week trying to get readjusted? Because it's like that kind of a time difference. You can't get adjusted in four days. No. So it just really just makes it
0: a really delayed screw up. So. I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet. I don't do very well with no sleep. So I've got to figure out how to get some sleep. Mm. But, you know. When you travel and you and you drink caffeine, it's pretty straightforward, right? You have a cup of coffee in the morning, things come right for a bit. Have another cup of coffee in the afternoon, things come right for a bit. Then you get mm. tired in the evening, go to sleep. So, I don't know. We'll see. It'll be a disaster. <laughs> and then I come home. Well, miss and you. two days later, fly to Montreal. So just to push the time zone boundaries a little further east, just go for it a bit further.
1: Yeah. There you go. Well, at least you'll be in my time zone. So I'll see you in Montreal.
0: You can scrape me up off the freezing cold pavement.
1: (laughs) Oh, man, I'm the Florida guy. (laughs) Oh, yeah, true. True. Oh, yeah. So you know what we had recently this week? I was going to we started talking about this before the show temperatures dipped and were in the 30s for 2 days here in Florida and there was like a pretty significant like freeze warning and stuff yeah. and there were, literally was a warning in south this is not where i live but in south florida and parts of the west coast of, of uh florida beware of falling iguanas it's crazy they're freezing yeah so what what happens is is they they're you know they're they're reptiles and so they essentially live in trees they walk on the grounds but hmm. they live in trees and when the temperature re- goes to a certain level They're not really hibernating right now. And so Mm. the temperature gets low and they just end up, they just kind of, they freeze. They get, then they fall out of the, They can't hold on to the tree anymore. They fall. Curious. There's a real story that down in Tampa or the Tampa area, a guy came out. It was either four or six, one of the two iguanas that had fallen out of a tree into his pool and were frozen solid. And he pulled them out and he set them by the pool. And when they thawed out, they were fine. (laughs) And one of them took off running and ran across the street and caused
0: an accident. Oh, my gosh. That's going to be me in Montreal, dude. You're going to pick me up and just put me in somewhere warm and I'll thaw out and come back to life. (laughs) Hey, see, those kind of places, though, I don't usually warm up
1: until I get back to Florida. It's like I'll be cold for like four or five days and then... Yeah, yeah, fair enough. It's not going to be as bad. They warned us that it would be like potentially like negative 40 and then I was like, well, was that, Fahrenheit or Celsius?" And like, it doesn't matter. That's about the same. At that one. It, the temperature, like, kind of that's where it goes back together. But it looks like we're going to be dealing with like what 20s and 30s, maybe in the teens
0: Fahrenheit. Gotcha. So yeah, it's pretty chilly. Not crazy cold though. For those of you who know Mike Fitzmorris and are friends with him on Facebook, he posts uh, quite interesting posts. The WTF file on Facebook, and I'm coming to realize that like 80% of what he posts comes from Florida. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if that's if that's just Florida I mean Florida's a big place but yeah what's up with that? I would like to stipulate
1: that it's that is mostly central Florida that is not where I am that is mostly central Florida that I don't I'm not
0: yeah that's not <laughs> this that's seems not to be a right. lot of random stuff in Florida including frozen iguanas as it turns out. I'd never seen that. I've been here my whole life so that's pretty that's pretty cool though amazing. All right let's get on with the meat and potatoes. This episode is sponsored by Avpoint. A 99.9% SLA means you're protected from power outages, bad patches, natural disasters, and maybe even a dinosaur attack. Does it protect you from yourself though? Avpoint backup for SharePoint Online provides full fidelity backup and recovery for individual items to entire sites. AvPoint can run backups up to four times a day to ensure your data is secure. Recover any time you want without having to pick up the phone and schedule restore windows. Learn why Avpoint is the Microsoft Cloud Expert at www.avepoint.com. And now back to the show. All right, I see. We have a a small but not insignificant number of things we want to go through this week. Mm. This week saw arguably, I think, Microsoft's first huge data leak or breach. It's a dichotomy of, there's no good,
1: bad, and ugly. This is like good and like fugly. Yeah. That they had between two weeks. I mean, last week they had, well, we'll talk about the breach first. But yeah, this this was pretty significant.
0: This is what's reported in the news about the breach. And then some of the side stories that I've been hearing as well are pretty interesting that we'll get into. But so yesterday, I believe it was, there was a breach reported that Microsoft had somebody else had gained access to a Microsoft customer support database that had been exposed to the web somehow. We'll get into that in a second. And that 250 million customer support and service report records were exposed, which that's a big number. Now, Mm -hmm. the caveat to this is that a lot of it was anonymized, right? It had been data that had been scraped and cleaned a bit. And so a lot of things like email addresses and so forth had been anonymized in the in the data already. But in a nutshell, it was, if you've ever had a case, a support request or a case opened with Microsoft, chances are it will have been in this database. Uh, but hopefully your email address would have been redacted and scrubbed from it. Now, the, there are a couple of interesting things about this, in my view. A, how the hell did somebody get access to this? Hmm. Right, just some random rando hacker on the internet. And second... So if it was all anonymized, is it really that big a deal? And and so as it turns out, I was talking to a friend of mine who used to be in this support organization at Microsoft. He said to me, Well, sure, your email address on the, you know, in the email column might have been redacted. But you'd be blown away at how much sensitive information is disclosed in chat logs with support personnel. Things mm-hmm. like logins to databases, <laughs> for ex- <laughs> for example. Or secret keys. I mean, people post all sorts of stuff in those chat logs or email logs, right, with back and forth between support. And so his point was not necessarily that your email got exposed, but that there may be a bunch of other sensitive information that was exposed in the actual data of the support case itself, right? Server names, usernames potentially passwords as well, unfortunately, all sorts of stuff in there. So it could be pretty nasty.
1: One thing that's kind of clear from this, I was just reading up on the on the article here, it's not known at this time if, other than the person that found it and reported it to Microsoft, which he gives them credit that within 24 hours they locked, it, they locked down these servers. It was apparently five servers, I think? Yeah, Elasticsearch service, yeah. Yeah, and this, this is stuff that goes back to 20, goes back 14 years. And he, what is it? So December 28th is when he found it or were indexed by a search engine. Um, December 29th, he discovered it. December the 30th and 31, 31st, they locked him down. Mm. And then yesterday, about a, a little less than a month, they disclosed all the additional details once they locked it down with the investigation and details of the investigation. But it doesn't seem that anybody else was at this time it doesn't appear that anybody else was able was noticed it and was able and saw the data so it, what it was a security researcher found it notified them and they locked it down but yeah. it
0: doesn't appear that the data was it was more that the data it, well that we know of that's the problem right, right hackers right. are not going to report that they've got it that's the problem with this right it's somebody's found it and therefore it means somebody else could have found it
1: right that's true and it it was accessible but it it's not known if it was really if the data was really compromised, except by the one person that that notified him.
0: Yeah, I think we'll find out if it turns up on, have I been pwned? True, definitely will. You know, we'll see people's, if, if Troy Hunt, who runs, have I been pwned, gets a hold of this breach data and is able to publish, you know, at least all of the emails that have been included in it, not the chat logs, I, I, obviously, but we'll probably know whether it got out into the wild. The interesting part about this was that it was Elasticsearch, And from the details that I've read on it, there were some network security group things in Azure that weren't configured correctly. Now, with a normal database like SQL, for example, or Postgres or something like that, even if your network security group had opened access to the internet you know, to access those resources in Azure, you'd still think that you'd need a username and a password to get access to the database, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe this person brute forced it, I doubt it, though, because it sounded like a search engine indexed it, some database indexed it. And it makes me wonder, because it was Elasticsearch, whether they even had appropriate sort of login credentials attached to it. Because my understanding is that it's it's a data warehouse database, right? So mm. it's for querying and searching for data, for support people to look up other people that have talked about the same thing and all that sort of stuff. And so access to it may have been a lot more broad than, than other types of systems. Because, you know, when I was at Microsoft, we had access to things like this, right? There were systems that you could go in and go search for support cases and tickets and things like that and find out, hey, is this, you know, when I was working on a particular bug in the CSOM, for example, I could go look up all the support cases that had been logged to see if anybody had, you know, logged tickets about this particular bug that we were fixing and stuff like that. And I suspect it was probably an evolution of that same kind of thing. So it makes me wonder how, how secure it was, even internal at Microsoft. It good may questions. not had a user and password on it, which kind of blows my mind a bit. Interact, yeah. like at least inter- integrated with Azure AD for access or something like that. I don't know. Obviously, something went wrong.
1: Just slightly went off the rails.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe we'll get more info on exactly like a post-mortem almost on what happened and what's been done. But uh, not good. But this is, the, I mean, this is unfortunate, right? Because this is one of Microsoft's first, I'm sure it's not the first, but it's a pretty large, significant breach. I'm really glad it's not like an Azure breach of customer, you know, infrastructure and stuff like that. That would be a lot worse. But, you know, it is a significant amount of data about their customers. And so that is very unfortunate. That had such a great track record until this point.
1: Yeah, this is what the second time, the article that we, that we linked to says that this is the, like the second time they've had something like this. I wonder what the first one was. I can't remember that. They referenced something from 2013 or 2016, something like that, but I don't...
0: I wonder if that was the um, the Jot token hack with Office 365. Oh, yeah. Where that guy could create auth tokens that would let him into anybody's Office 365 instance. I remember that. And like logged in as like an Adela or something.
1: That's, I guess, some of the ugly news. Before we go into what I find is the, the most, the ugliest of things that we've seen... I thought we'd kind of throw in there a good thing. Yeah, why not? Some feel-good news. Microsoft had a blog post that they posted last week. And the title of it is, Microsoft will be carbon negative by 2030. And there's a lot more details about this in the blog post that they have. But they, talk, they go all the way through their entire supply chain, and they explain what they're doing to go be... Carbon neutral or carbon negative by 2030, and then how they can also remove all the historical carbon initiatives by 2050, and then where they have a $1 billion climate innovation fund that they're doing as well. I really don't want to sound like I'm being cynical with this, but this whole thing about you can offset your carbon footprint by paying a little bit more and stuff, I've never really understood how that stuff works aside from saying we use that money to donate to go build, to go plant trees. It's curious to me, like you've always kind of looked at this as kind of a little skeptical here, but I mean, the fact that they're actually getting to the point where it's like it's a big issue and that they're taking showing that it's a significant issue to the company and they want to make changes to, to fix it. Mm. That's the part that, okay, you know what? That one, that you can't contest that part. So,
0: yeah, I've noticed even small impact things that Microsoft have already been doing for years on campus, for example, like tiny little things like compostable cutlery and plates and stuff like that, building their new buildings with environmental impact in mind. They're talking about being able to power the entire campus on solar and stuff like that. So they've been working on a bunch of this stuff for quite a while. I'm really impressed they've sort of put it out there and gone, this is important enough for us to put a line in the sand and go, we're going to focus on this. They might not succeed in every way, but hell, like good on them for trying. Agreed. And at least putting it out there and saying, this is a priority for us to do. And and unfortunately, they're in a position where they've got money to do it they can actually put the money where their mouth is and hopefully follow through. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they what they actually do. But hopefully they continue to publish more information about this. And I love the idea of that innovation fund. Like that's great. Like that's how we're going to get really smart solutions to difficult problems is by funding interesting science and and having companies help with that is awesome. Like I think that's yeah. that's a great a great approach, like what Bill Gates is doing.
1: Yeah, it's nice that it shouldn't just be the governments that are doing this stuff or the nations that are doing it. You should see companies who are also the ones that have, are the ones that are primarily, well, that's probably not fair. I don't know if that's, if that's accurate, but companies are having a significant impact on it and they should take their responsibility of, their social responsibility of making sure that they're not leaving the place worse than when they found it. And those that can have, that have the resources to jump in and do something good, that's
0: positive, that's good. Exactly. No, it's really good. So yeah, I guess we will be following this, and and who knows, like, lots of other companies have initiatives around trying to get better about this stuff, but it's great to see such a, a powerhouse like Microsoft putting a stake in the ground. So yeah, they talk about moving to 100% renewable energy, electrifying their campus fleet, building certifications, modernization projects, carbon taxes, all sorts of goodies. Mm-hmm. There's a big post about this. It's quite long, multiple pages about the science to back this up and how they plan on tackling it. So I guess uh, we'll send a link to the show notes, in the show notes, sorry, and you can go have a good read all about the detail. Cool. Now, we've got some other goodies about Office 365.
1: This podcast is brought to you
0: by ShareGate. ShareGate. For those of us familiar with Sharegate, we know they've always been about SharePoint and Office 365 migration. But now we've all moved to the cloud, like me, you're probably thinking about how to scale your Office 365 to a full self-service environment without worrying about thousands of groups and teams popping up out of nowhere, aka sprawl. That's why the folks at Sharegate developed Sharegate Apricot. It's a solution that helps us automate our Office 365 groups governance by allowing us to collaborate with users to keep everyone accountable for the things they create. They're super simple to use in-app experience lets us lighten our load by delegating group management responsibilities to users we trust, a.k.a. no more sprawl. Want to get your hands on Sharegate Apricot? Try it free for 30 days at sharegate.com forward slash cloud show. And we're back. All right, AC. I, I don't know if you were the first in the world to kick this rant off, but it was pretty sweet. It's got life of its own now, that's for sure. When you mentioned on, on your Facebook post last night that Twitter was going crazy, or yesterday or something like that, I read it last night. When Twitter was going crazy, I checked it out, and you were not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you explain exactly what's going on?
1: I'm going to start this off, and I'm maybe being a little bit over-sensationalist, but I don't really think I'm inaccurate. So yesterday was the day that Microsoft announced that
0: uh, Microsoft Office was going to turn into malware. <laughs> Yeah, it's like one of those apps that you, you know when you go next, 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 and then finish, and you thought, hmm, maybe I should have unchecked that checkbox that says uninstall random software off the internet onto my machine. It's a little bit like that, right? Except for the fact that we don't even get the
1: checkbox or we get the notice. It just happens. (laughs) It just happens. So here's what Microsoft has done that they've announced. Now, I'll be completely honest here. I fully believe that by the time this show goes live, they will have rolled this back and they will say, nope, sorry, just kidding, we're not doing it. Because I haven't seen something that they've done that has gotten, I haven't even seen a response that has been in the moderately lukewarm about this. The re, the negative reaction to this is so overwhelming. So unfathomably bad. Yeah, so we have a boatload of links that I've put in the show notes for this, but let me just explain first what's happening with this. And then... I'll share the reactions, and then you and I can chat a bit about it. I got an email yesterday from the... It's a part of a a notification service that Microsoft has for Microsoft 365, or specifically Office 365. And uh, it had a, a roadmap notification that said, hey, we're rolling this out. And the change that they have here... Let me just read the title of this. It's an extension of the Microsoft search in Bing will be installed to Office 365 Pro Plus customers, starting with version 2002 of... Office 365 Pro Plus, an extension for Microsoft Search and Bing will be installed that makes Bing the default search engine for Google Chrome and Firefox browsers. This inst- extension will be installed with new installations of Office 365 Pro Plus, or when an existing installation of Office 365 Pro Plus is updated. Even after Bing has made the default search engine, your users can still change to a different search engine in Google Chrome or Firefox on their own. So they posted that. I looked at it and I was like, Well, hold on, we'll do the reaction in a second. There is a link in the Microsoft Docs that does explain how you can go about what this is, how they can block it from happening within your organization. The article title is called Microsoft Search in Bing and Office 365 Pro Plus. The way that you can block this from happening is by using group policy or with a registry setting or using something called the Office Deployment Deployment Tool, which you can use to exclude a specific app from being installed. Now, if I scroll down to the very bottom where the feedback is for this, we're now looking at, since this page was updated, we're now looking at 63 open issues related to this or open comments. The comments are seeing things, I'll exclude what I said, but I've got things from, I consider this to be a criminal offense. This is one of the dumbest things I've seen. Guys, April 1st is still two months away. Don't do this. This is almost as offensive as removing the Santa hat from VS Code. This won't end well. Users will hate this. Do not implement. I could go on and on and on. The Reddit post for this is absolutely on fire. I mean, it's off the chain. Twitter's going crazy with this. There are two user voice submissions for this right now. One by the that's in the Office 365 user voice. It has, let me refresh the page, 207 votes to say, don't do this. The one for the Office Deployment Insiders user voice is up to 417
0: votes. I bet we know somebody who works on Microsoft Search, Bill Bayer. I bet his inbox is being lit up this week. Bill, if you listen to this, dude, come on the show and explain yourself. This is crazy, no, c-
1: craziness. Here's the thing. and People make a lot of really good comments in these different places. They're saying things like, you know, this is... A lot of places in the European Union, this is considered a criminal offense. Here's my thing with it. There was someone, I won't name their name, but somebody on Twitter said, other companies do this. When I install something from Acrobat, when I install an Acrobat um, updater, it gives me a checkbox to say, do you want to install McAfee antivirus as well? But I can uncheck that. There's no opt-in or opt-out of this. This is just, we're doing this, and if you want to uninstall it, you can uninstall it. But I'm thinking about... All the people who don't, number one, have a clue how to uninstall or even install an extension into their browser. Hmm. And then number two, how in the world, people who have, don't have a clue how to change their default search experience back to Bing. Hey, Microsoft, do you want to do this? Share the stats on how quick people go to Bing and then type in google.com and then do their search. And leave Bing to go straight to Google. Yeah, This pisses me off so much. I can't, to install something on my machine and make, if you want to make edge the default search experience to be Bing, okay, I get it. I kind of expected you to do that. But to go into other apps that I've installed on my machine and to change their settings without any of my consent and notifying me of that, I find that to be incredibly offensive. And I don't see how in the world you could do this. This goes back, this is the exact reason the Justice Department hauled your ass into the United States court system for abusing your monopoly power to implement anti-competitive practices that caused you to pay a ridiculously big fine and come on and get on the a risk of being broken up.
0: No, it's ridiculous. I can't understand who signed off on this and thought it was a good idea. It is the worst idea they've had in years. And I just, it's just unfathomable. It's, I, I don't understand how there could be... You know, you look at a lot of decisions and you're like, I'm sure somewhere deep down this came from a good place. This one, I don't get it. Bing's market share has sucked since day one, and they've tried different things to get it to go up. I don't think it's Bing that's trying to do this. It's Microsoft Search that are doing this. I don't think it's the Bing team trying to get more market share. I think it's, pardon my French, dipshit who's decided that this is better for everybody because now you'll be able to find your internal stuff when you search with whatever browser you use and you're in an enterprise because that's what Pro Plus is for, right? It gets rolled out for commercial Office 365 customers. And, oh, of course you'd want to find your internal search results in whatever browser you were using. And so we're just going to go ahead and hijack your search engine extension to make sure that that happens. Like, dude, the thing you work on is not the most important thing in the universe to people, right? It is to you, but it's not to everybody else. And so, like, at least give people the choice. Come on. It's ridiculous.
1: It goes back to like the 90s and the it goes way back to the 90s and 2000s where you had all those, Those everyone wanted to install a toolbar. And I'll go even farther with this. If you go over to, let's see, let's see if this still happens. So graph.microsoft.com. Let's see. I'm surprised the browsers don't ask
0: before extensions can be installed as well.
1: Agree. Mm. There's a, I thought that the graph site did it, but maybe not. Let me go into incognito and try it. Uh, no, it's not. it used to I thought it used to do that. So there are some Microsoft sites, I thought Graph was one of them, but apparently it's not doing it right now, so I don't know if it's just, I'm not experiencing it now, where they would, in the last couple of weeks, they've had a little bar that showed up at the very top, which is install the Bing search extension to make Bing your, your default search experience. It's like, this is the worst way to get me to go ahead and to do this kind of stuff with these nag things at the top. I mean, I, I'm Now I'm looking at it going, uh, no, you're bugging me. I'm absolutely not going to do this. Yeah, yeah, I installed Edge, and I was like, okay, you know what? I'll give Bing a shot. I saw this article yesterday. I went straight over to Bing and was like going, nope, Google's my default experience. Goodbye. I'm not even going to entertain this anymore. This is, if you agree that, even if you like Bing, but if you agree that this is not the right approach, you got to step up and make your voice heard on totally. this. I can't think of something that Microsoft has done that is more stupid. Absolute arrogance and stupid and overreaching of their office monopoly than this than they've ever done. I've been racking my brain all morning trying to
0: think of one. Certainly in recent history, right? I mean they did some pretty dumb stuff in the past with browsers and windows and stuff that uh, that pissed well, governments around the world off, but yeah, this is egregious to say the least. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Hopefully by the time this publishes, they will have decided this is a terrible idea. It's just not the approach you should take these days. Each of those user voices have gotten another 10 votes since we've been started talking about this. That's good. The more noise, the better. This stuff will be absolutely on fire inside Microsoft this morning. I use Bing as my default search engine. I prefer it. And you know the end result for me would have been the same. But the fact that they're Fiddling around trying to do things surreptitiously behind your back. That's inexcusable. I don't get it. I really don't get it. People feel the same way about ads and Windows. Yes. I can't even remember. There was a outroar about putting ads in like, you know, budget skews of Windows or something. I can't even remember which skews of Windows they went into, but there was a big furor about that. I don't know where it went. I don't get ads in Windows, but somebody must have. And um, yeah, people felt a similar thing about that.
1: Like when it comes to Windows, there's something about getting ads and something that I already pay for that just really pisses me off. I mean... Ooh, I've got another example. So, like, the new NBC streaming service. Is that what you're going to talk about? Another Microsoft example. So, in the, like, say you subscribe to HBO or say you subscribe to uh, Netflix or Amazon Prime. There are ads in Netflix when you go to watch a show or in, in HBO when you go to watch a show, but they're ads for their own content. It's not some random thing that's being added. Yet NBC is talking about their new streaming service. And one of the things that they're touting about it, which it's a subscription-based thing, so you got to pay for it. One of the things that they're talking about it is that they're saying, or one of the things they're touting is we will only have five minutes of ads per hour of content. Like if I'm paying for it, don't give me a- Expect zero ads. Yeah, don't give me a freaking ad. If I want to watch stuff on like, you know, if I want to watch your public broadcast that you stream over the air, I get it. You need to make money from ads. I get it. I totally get that, but if I'm paying for your content,
0: don't literally have ads, ads while I'm reading your content. That no. No, I agree. Microsoft. The other example, I, I remember, I can think of in more recent history, is the Windows upgrade debacle, where people would randomly come in and find their Windows machine had upgraded. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. And <laughs> that was a shocker. <laughs> that was yeah. pretty bad they would have missed some dismiss button somewhere or or been confused by the wording or something, the pop-up about, about upgrading to Windows 8 or whatever it was from Windows 7. I can't remember whether, maybe it was to Windows 10. I can't remember now. It was, it was a while ago. And they'd missed some dismiss button or or, or misread it or it was misleading or what have you. And then randomly they come in in the morning and their machine had been upgraded to Windows 8 or 10 or something like that. And it was like... Wait a second, you did what? (laughs) I didn't say that you could do that to my machine. Yeah, you come into my house, you sleep with my computer, (laughs) do it all stuff to my technology. It it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Well, pretty much. I mean, they. anyway, that's a poor analogy. Oh, that's fine. Anyway, I'm going to have a hilarious time this morning reading some of these comments and um, making sure I add my upvotes to the maelstrom.
1: Oh, please do. I I mean, we got to... I've given three of my votes to both of those sites. Then again, I don't have an end user. I had to create an account for the end user one in the office deployment uh, user voice thing. So if there's a way I can go through and throw in all 10 of my votes, I'll do it. But it's not like it's costing me anything. (laughs) I can care less about about the... uh... Anyway, all good. AC's Voitano's delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework.
0: Back to the show. Okay, see. It's that time of the day. Yay. It's time for some picks. I love this time of the day. I think we've skipped picks for a couple of shows, perhaps. So I'm really glad we've got some good ones this week. Why don't you kick us off with something I wanted to use as my pick, but it wasn't a surprise we both had this as a pick this week. Yeah. Why don't you uh, tell everybody about it?
1: (sighs) There's so many good things about this pick. (laughs) Lego is releasing on, I think, February the 1st. So very soon after the show comes out, a set that came from the Lego Ideas site, which again, Lego Ideas is where like a community person like you or me has gone through and we've built a set and then we've submitted it. And then there's a whole bunch of votes and it goes through this whole process. And then once it gets to a certain level of feedback and votes, it's accepted. And Lego releases it as as an official set. They're releasing the International Space Station. And it includes a mini shuttle. It includes (gasps) a a mini Dragon capsule. And... (laughs) It's not a gigantic set. It's about 800 pieces, which is a, that's a good set. That's not going to take it, you know, days to finish. And it's only 70 bucks. That's a really good price for for a Lego set. So I saw it. I was like, oh my God. And posted it. And of course, I was
0: money.
1: Yeah, and so I want to go through and buy it right away. Of course, my birthday, but my birthday's at the end of February. And I was like, if I buy this right now, my wife's going to be pissed. And so sure enough on Facebook, she's like, your birthday's coming up. And I'm like, awesome. She goes, this would make a great birthday gift. I'm like, fantastic. And of course, a friend of ours, Dan Usher, he jumped on it. He's like, thanks Meredith. Mine's like the same day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Nice. This looks awesome. It's going to look fantastic next to my shuttle and Saturn 5. And, Lunar lander. I'm very much looking forward to this. Did you get your your Saturn V fixed? Yes, I did. After I fell over, yeah, I did. I put it back together. I still have to build the lunar lander. I
1: have the set, but from the 50th anniversary, but I haven't built it yet. Oh. I have to finish the 911 first.
0: Yeah, it's pretty sweet. It's a great set, actually. the Lunar lander. Mm. This is a fantastic idea. I can't wait to get it on my shelf.
1: Maybe I was wrong. It looks like there might be a there might be a Soyuz with it as well. Uh... It looks like there's a Soyuz and a Dragon that are attached to it, and then a mini shuttle
0: that you can also attach. Yeah. Uh, Maybe I need to see the picture properly. see a better picture. Yeah, there's probably a Soyuz there. I mean, they come and go so often. It wouldn't surprise me. Mm. That's so cool though, that they got a little shuttle in there. That's awesome. Rad. So this week, it's actually a little while ago. This post came out on the 8th of January, but turns out that a Scarsdale High School student, sorry, Scarsdale High student, discovered a planet in their first week of internship at NASA. <laughs> How cool is that? That's really cool. What did you do, you do during your high school internship? Oh, discovered a planet. <laughs> <laughs> first week. I mean, I mean, way to impress your boss on like day three, right? And um and then be like, mic drop. I'm done. Yeah. Can I have a drop now? <laughs> <laughs> yes, so this kid called Wolf had finished his junior year and was interning at the Space Flight Centre where he was charged with examining variations in star star brightness captured by a satellite and uploaded to a citizen science project. He said he was looking through the data, yada, yada, yada. And then I quote, About three days into my internship, I saw a signal from a system called TOI 1338, he said in the release. At first I thought it was a stellar eclipse, but the timing was wrong. It turned out to be a planet. (laughs) <laughs> I love the nudge one. <laughs> yeah. How about that? It's not in our solar system. It turns out it's the first circumbinary planet or world orbiting two stars. How about that? That's pretty cool. About the size of Neptune and Saturn and orbits its two stars about every three months. Huh. Man, huh. I'm feeling so inadequate.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I just did a I helped make a an app, a cross-platform Java app that would run on Windows and Mac OS and Linux and in the browser when I was doing my internship, but I didn't find a planet.
0: Yeah. I managed to fix my dual monitor problem yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Cool Yes, That's pretty cool, though. How awesome is that? I mean, this guy can say I discovered a planet, like for reals, for the rest of his career. And uh, let's go see what he does for the rest of it. Yeah. That's really cool. How cool is that? Mm. Uh, so yes, that is that is my pick for this week. Very... You might be running solo next week with me being out of town. So uh, I wish you well on that, and look forward I... to catching up with everybody when I get back.
1: Yes, we will be looking forward to having you back. I will see you in the frigid north of the wall uh... <laughs>
0: <laughs> with the White Walkers in Canada.
1: <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will see you north of the wall and uh... Tharby dragons. Yeah, it'd be fun. I'm I'm hoping to. There's a, a Montreal Canadiens game the same day as the Super Bowl, which is the day before we get there. And so instead of flying in, I'm flying in the day before you. So I'll be there for oh, the Super Bowl. Cool. But I'm going I might try and go to a do the real Canadian experience and go watch a hockey game and drink a Molson I'm at the hockey game. But get there by walking 15 minutes in the north of the wall. Yeah,
0: nice work. That's a great idea. I'm gonna try. Good call. We'll see. Yes, all right. Well, we'll see you in Montreal. And uh, thanks for another great show. We'll talk to you all a little later. Cheers. Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in your favorite podcast app. It helps people find out about our show and grow our audience, and we'd really appreciate it. If you have a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com forward slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as a wave or MP3 and provide us a link so we can play it on the show. You can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. And finally, sign up for our mailing list by heading over to microsoftcloudshow.com, where you'll get notices of each episode, as well as the show notes sent to you directly each week. We'll be back with a new episode next week. Thanks for listening.